Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to ask us to stand as we welcome our presiding bishop. But I just want to read a small introduction. We are excited, Bazalwani, as we gather in this fashion without masks. Two years after COVID. To introduce the visionary who has been pioneering and leading the church that dreams for 39 years with a thousand churches as a milestone. A church that has a multi-generational reach. We are introducing our senior pastor because amongst all of us as pastors here, he's our senior. We are introducing our presiding bishop because the church that was started in 1982 that he took over in 1983 does not only have a branch that is one but it has more than 60 branches and by the grace of God we are planting more hallelujah I'm saying that we are planting more because in the regions we are planting more So he's our presiding bishop. He's leading our denomination. We are no longer a church that is called a fly by night. We are an organ that is alive, that is structured. We are introducing a church father, a Christian thought leader, because nationally, he's leading PCN, the IFCC, and also he's leading amongst the heads of churches in the South African Council of Churches. Internationally, he's in the board of Church Growth International, Healing Jesus, and World Pentecostal Forum. So we are having a giant in our own times, and let's put our hands together because we are going to receive the word of God. Hallelujah. Welcome, Bishop. We welcome you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big kind of praise. He deserves the praise. Father, tonight we thank you and we honor you because you deserve the honor and the glory. 39 years you've led us. 39 years you've protected us. 39 years you've taken us through rivers, through fires, times that were hard, difficult, discouraging. But you still remained God. And your mission never failed. By your grace, we are here. After two years, almost three years of not been having the word explosion, you've kept us. You've loved us. Yes, Lord, we have lost our loved ones and our hearts still bleed even today. But we are glad that they're with you in glory. And for us who remain, we want to make this moment count.
and the days of our lives to count. So bless us as we look into your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you, Bishop Matole. Thank you, Dr. Matole, for the introduction. I have the privilege of introducing the theme, Yaruna. As you know, we have uh, several speakers who will be talking on the same theme. And as the host of the conference, it's always my responsibility to introduce the theme. And we did announce to you that uh, Bishop uh, Apostle uh, Collins Lomo won't make it due to a period he's going through. He lost his mom not long ago, still in a lot of pain and sorrow. And so we have uh, then asked uh, Apostle Malinzisa on, on Friday, he's going to do the two sessions uh, at two o'clock and the one that follows. And then on Thursday night, tomorrow night, we're going to have, uh, in this service, we'll be having uh, 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 Archbishop Leston Botswana as well, coming to be with us as well. And then the last service uh, was supposed to be done by Abu Gumbi. He is going to come and do the Friday night service, but he's going to have to be away after Friday and so the session here, Dr. Gumbi, that we're supposed to do to close out and give us a send-off, I will do the send-off then. Shaba yaba. But the reason for the theme, as I explained to our guest speakers, is that for me, one of the major thoughts that dominated my mind during lockdown was to ask myself this question. If I was to pass, would I confidently land in heaven with the confidence that I have fulfilled all that God called me for? And I must be honest with you. I couldn't answer in the affirmative. Whilst by God's grace one has done and worked, but I still felt there's a lot more one has had to do. But then it brought another question to me that I want us to grapple with during this word explosion. Now that we are here, now that God has kept us, has that changed my attitude towards time? Has that changed my approach? Has it affected my pace? Has it made me think differently? And so... John 9, particularly our main text, verse 4, came to my heart and to my spirit as I asked the guest speakers to talk to us. And I'd like us to hear God when we talk about working while it is still day. John 9, 1 to 7 is the main scripture reading with verse 4 being our main emphasis. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciple asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me whilst it is day. 
The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spread on the ground, made clay with the saliva, anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Interesting that the chapter starts by as Jesus passed by. That statement links chapter 9 to chapter 8. It's a continuation, in essence, of the preceding chapter, as you know, that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. It was put in chapter and verse at the discretion of those who translated it and who wrote it from the manuscripts. But in chapter 8, we saw Jesus there when he left the temple at a time when the Jews wanted to stone him. That's in chapter 8, verse 59. It's very possible when you read that when he left, according to his custom, he went to the Mount of Olives. And then the next day, which was a Sabbath day, he met this man who was born blind in some public space. And this man came to Jesus and asked him for arms because he was doing so to everyone who was passing by. In response to this man's plea, Jesus changed into action mode to do what he came into the world to do, even though it was a Sabbath day. He immediately got into gear to fulfill his assignment and purpose. In his mind, he said to himself, I must do the works of him who has sent me. Because the one who has sent me has sent me not only to die on the cross, but to heal those who are sick. Jesus, when you read this, we are told by Bible scholars, six months after this act, Jesus was crucified. So at this time, Jesus plainly perceived that the cure for this man, even though it's going to bring the wrath of the Jewish leaders, but for him to accomplish the work that he came into the world to do, he's got to do it because there's an opportunity to do, to do it. It is day. He says, I've got to do it when opportunity allows. I've got to do it when it's day. I've got to do it so that I will fulfill God's will because I understand that the term of my life will not last forever. And so six months after this, our Lord Jesus was crucified. And therefore, when he was using the word day, he was saying, before day can decline, before night can come, day represents time. Day represents opportunity. Night represents the loss of time, the loss of opportunity. And this is what I want to ask you. Post-COVID, has your attitude towards day changed? That you are here today, that you can breathe, you can walk, you can talk, you are still healthy. Has it changed your attitude? Or are you still living like you did before COVID came? Jesus is intimating a number of things in what he's saying. Number one, he's telling us that he has a precise work to do upon earth. And this work 
is particularly arranged for him and laid out for him. The same way for you. There's work arranged for you, laid out for you. Like Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Amplified Bible says we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ, born anew that we may do those good works which God planned beforehand for us. Taking paths he has prepared for us ahead of time that we should walk in them. Question is, do you know why you came into the world? Do you really understand what your assignment is? And if you do, are you busy with it? Or are you distracted by other things? Do you realize that it's daytime, but night does come? Night does come. Sometimes when night comes, it's not death. Night can come in the change of your health. Night can come in the change of your circumstances. Night can come in the loss of resources. Night can come when opportunity has shifted and you're out of timing. And that's the question we want to ask during this conference. What are you busy with? What are you involving yourself in? Are you living in daytime or in nighttime? Secondly, Jesus is intimating that all that he did on earth was about the works of God. Particularly as we see in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus came with one agenda and one agenda only to do the work of God. That's my question. Are you busy with the will of God in your life? What you're giving your time to, your, le- your health to, your strength to, your intelligence to, what you're giving your youth to, what you're giving your money to, what you're going to, spending time with you, is that what God has called you to do? Is that what God brought you into the world for? Thirdly, Jesus is intimating that even the work given has a precise time and place in his program. Jesus is saying, I make sure what God has assigned me is a priority on my program. I'm not postponing. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. I'm not waiting until I'm a certain age. I'm busy with it now. There are many people who know what God wants them to do, but they're not making a priority in that. See, as you get a little older like some of us, you realize how short time is. And that's why the older you get is the more you have impatience with things that don't fulfill your purpose. That's why when you get older, when you deal with stuff, you no longer go around the issues. You just go straight because you don't have time to waste. You realize time is short and I better get there now because time is short. Tell your neighbor, time is short. Amen, time is short. Number four, Jesus is telling us in this verse that his period for work has a definite termination. So by letting one service pass by its allotted time, everything becomes disarranged. When you miss your timing, 
When you don't do what you should do in its time, it affects everything that follows. And you find that your life is thrown into disarray and confusion because when you were supposed to do something at its proper time, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. That's why I always tell young people, when you are young, be young. Tell your neighbor, scap up. Yeah. Time will come. Time will come for you to do certain things, but that time hasn't come yet. Marao Papa, you bring what's over there here. And then you start having to take responsibility for things when you are young that you should take care of when you are much older. Yeah. So Jesus is saying, everything must be done in its time. Because if you don't do things in their time, it throws everything out. If you postpone, it throws everything out. And then everything that follows, so your life ends up being in disarray. There are people who are living lives where they are catching up. And everything is late. Everything is in a disarray. And it's a big problem. So life gets mad. It gets driven beyond its destined period for completion. And so people pass on without completing what they were meant to complete. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the saddest things I've seen as a young man growing up that really made an impression on me, and I'm saying this very humbly, and I hope some of you learn by looking at life, you know? Young people, you must learn by looking at life. So certain things you can argue about them, but you can't argue with the reality of life. As a young person, one of the things that used to strike me is to see elderly, senior people, elderly men, who had lived a rough life when they were young. And, 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 and you see a guy who was very talented. Very talented in soccer. But he never pursued the career in soccer because of smoking, drinking, you, you, you meet people who are very intelligent. Even in my own family, where there's one of the, he's passed on now, very intelligent guy. I mean, this guy was a straight A student. Straight A student. Straight A. A mathematician of note. I mean, yeah, just brilliant. But he, he made the wrong choice. Back then, when Satan had standard six, he passed standard six. First class. No, the highest you could achievement was first class. Some of you had to be first class. Can you explain to someone next to you what first class is? Can you explain what that is? First class. But I know him, he's in our family. This guy, and for, I used to look up to him as an older brother, even though he's much older than me. But he went into gangsterism, he started smoking, started drinking, left his family, did everything, you know. When I got married, this man would come to my house and ask for money from me. Yeah, this is a guy who's a crack. Passes on. You meet a guy like that, Uri Nyengatizam. I hope you're not going to say Nyengatizam, oh my God. I hope you're not going to say Well, Why? Because, see, some of you think you'll be young forever. No, you won't. When you are young and strong 
and you have time, and there are things you can do when you are young. You can't. You can't. So how are young and ochagetsaruna? Then you are you are in big trouble. Because everything gets disarranged. Aki introduction, Akirene. Number five, Jesus is also intimating that as a man, note what he says, I must work the works of God while it is still time, for the times come when no man can work. So he puts himself at the level of a human being. And therefore he's saying, as a human being, as a normal person, no one can work when it's night. Even Jesus couldn't do it. When things are out of timing, no one can do it. If Jesus couldn't do it, why do you think you can? What gives you the thinking that when I you can? Jesus is saying, I couldn't. I couldn't. So Jesus is highlighting to us that we have an assignment to do. We must busy ourselves with the work assigned by God. Our time on earth, an opportunity to do and finish our assignment is time-coded. He's telling us that time and opportunity must be taken advantage of what it's possible to do it. I must work the works of him who sent me whilst it is still day. That expression, whilst it is still day. The day is the proper time of working in the natural sense, the night time, unless you've got lights. But even when big constructions are done, they work during the day. Night is not just under normal circumstances. Generally, universally, you work during day. In other words, as long as the day lasts, it is the proper time to labor. And in the case of Jesus, the word day refers to his life. The opportunity he had, he said, I've got to heal this man, even if I stand a chance of being persecuted. Even if the Jews are going to be angry, even if it's a Sabbath day, if I don't do it, and I look at all the excuses around, I'll not be able to do what I'm here to do. So many people look at the excuses around. So many people look at everything around. And they don't understand that sometimes doing God's will means you'll get the wrath of others. You'll be taken out of a WhatsApp group. Because you have changed the tone of your life. Jesus understood that his life was drawn to a close. Six months, he was going to die. He's saying, my life, it's near its close. While it continues, I must employ my life in doing the works that God has appointed me to do. So the expression day speaks of time. It speaks of opportunity. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. The Bible in basic English says, for everything there is a fixed time. And a time for every business under the sun. Jesus is actually saying, you've got to understand the principle of time. We need to understand the principle of time and we need to respect the principle of time. Time is a principle. Write it down. Time is a principle. What is a principle? The Cambridge Dictionary defines a principle as a basic idea or rule 
that explains or controls how something happens or works. Let me say that again. A principle is a basic idea or rule that explains or controls how something happens or works. In other words, it's a principle that controls how things work. And if you want things to work the way they should work, you must follow the principle. In other words, the principle was there before you came. You can't argue with the principle. You can't why not come change the principle. The principle that has no respect of your age, has no respect of your money, it has no respect of the color of your skin, it's there. You will come, you will go, the principle will remain. You ignore it, it will punish you. It's a principle. It's a law, like the law of gravity. If you go to the top of a building and you jump off, gravity rohoi. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter how old you are, even how innocent you are. If that little one, five years, if that five-year-old, yeah, if the five-year-old can get up on top of a 16-story building, and step off. The principle doesn't say the punka punka tamama. Ah. The principle says hoy. Everyone say hoy. Yeah. Because a principle works. And here's the thing. A principle works for the saved and the unsaved. Doesn't matter how saved you are. Gravity will hoy you. So time is like that. Time is a principle. So being saved and you disobey the principle of time doesn't mean things will be good for you. Being unsaved, when you respect the principle of time, it will work for you. Because it's a principle. Principles don't discriminate. Principles work for everybody. So time is a principle, and I want to show you that. The World Book Dictionary defines a principle as a truth that is a foundation for other truths. In other words, everything is built on that principle. You start there. So if, 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 if you don't obey a principle, you can't build anything. <laughs> can't build anything. It's almost like when they tell you, if you build a house, it's a principle. If you build a house, have a foundation. If we're not clever, we're pumping. No, I mean, I'm going to foundation. Well, it's a principle. It was there before you came. It will, there after your, it will be there after your house falls down. And you can't blame the devil. Or the guy who was standing here in red hair. Can't blame him. It's a principle. And if you respect the principle, you can build on the principle. Second, 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 the fifth uh, 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 definition in the World Books Dictionary says a principle is a rule of science. Explaining how something works. It's a rule of science. So science has principles. And if you mix certain things in certain proportions, you get a certain byproduct. Water, it's hydrogen, two parts of hydrogen plus oxygen, H2O. That's water. It's not H3O. So when I water, H3O, you're not going to get water. Because it's H2O, it's two parts of hydrogen and one part oxygen. That's the only way you're going to get water. So you can't come when and modernize it. Hippify it. You can't come. No, you can't. It, it works like that. It's a principle. So let me share some few things with you. Time as a principle. And I'm quoting some things from Dr. Marsman real quickly about 
eight things quickly. Number one, here are the principles concerning time. Life is time. See, when I ask you how old are you, you say 15 years. But note, 15 years, it took you 15 years to be 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. So it took you 15 years to be 15 years old. So, 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 so life is time. Your life is equivalent to time. You, you can't say no, two years, no. It's 15 years and you can't, in other words, you can't accelerate being 15 years and you can't decelerate. I also saw that I see some of you young people. Once let's say 30, I'll say about worldly how old. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you can't decelerate. Tell them you can't, you can't, you can't. Once you swear 30, you swear 30, ask his. You know, some of you used to send us notifications and WhatsApp messages, oh, it's my birthday, I'll be so many years old. Now I notice since you turned 30, even when we come and congratulate you, you have that sad look on your face. And I'm saying, but what's wrong? Secondly, life is defined as time. Life is defined as time. Thirdly, life is measured in time. Number four, life is determined by time. In other words, whatever you spend a lot of time doing becomes your life. Whatever you spend a lot of time investing, whatever you invest time in becomes you. So you can't blame the devil. If you spend a lot of time reading nothing, watching nothing, filling your mind with everything that's evil, then you wonder when your life is not getting better. And you want to mark out. You can't. Whatever you spend a lot of time doing. In fact, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't recall who said this, but it's a, it's a true thing. Somebody once said, if, if people can spend one hour every day on any subject reading it, one hour every day, for five years in a row, by the end of five years, they become an expert. It's a, it's a proven scientific fact. But the interesting thing is this. When you spend that type of time in something, not only do you become an expert, it starts changing you. That's the same thing with prayer. When people don't pray, and they correspond prayer, if you spend time in prayer regularly over a consistent time, there's something that happens to you. Yeah, I'm telling you. Whatever you invest your time in, you become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number seven, number five rather. Life is lived out in time. Lived out in time. Six, life is qualified by time. Therefore, number seven. Mwalanka's PT, it's still day. Life is lived out in time, number five. Number six, life is qualified by time. In other words, the quality of life you live is affected by what you do with time and how you use your time. You can change the quality of your life by using that same time in quality things. Changing friends, reading different books, going to church, praying, living a godly life. 
It's very strange how people sometimes want to buy markets or why their life is the way it is. And yet when you look at what they're spending time in, then you know what's going on. You look at their phone. How many of you want to look at the phone of your neighbor right now? Huh? And there's nothing wrong with it, but I, I'm amazed at the way people post things on social media. When I was traveling to KZN the other day and I was at the airport, you know, it was early in the morning, early, six o'clock. The flight was early flight, six o'clock flight. So I'm there 5 a.m. at the airport. Five, five is very early. Very early. And there's these people who are with us in the queue. Same plane, cell phone. Five in the morning. Five in the morning. And I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, they're using time. They're using time. Yeah, it's time. They're using time. To them, that, that's what they're using time in. The, the whole time we were in the queue, they took so many pictures and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, five in the morning, they're already posting. Some of you, if you can look at your posts, you will know why you are where you are in your life. So number seven then it means the passing of time is the passing of life. The passing of time is the passing of life. And unfortunately many people watch their life passing in front of them as victims. And they don't want to do anything to correct it. They are just watching life passing. Yeah. Jesus says, I'm not going to watch my life passing. I must do the works of him who sent me. What is still day? The night comes when no one can work. Jesus says, while I live, I must respect the principle of time. Because the quality of my life will be determined by how much I respect time, how much I leverage time, how much I dispose of my time. It's not demons. It's not luck. Because the truth is this, all of us have equal amount of time. The rich man and the poor man have equal amount of time. The young and the old, they've got equal amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. Seven days a week. We all have 365 and a quarter days a year. And 366 on leap year. We all have 60 seconds in a minute. Nobody is disadvantaged, comrades. Nobody is marginalized, my caban. In this world of unfairness, discrimination, where other people have more than others, there's one thing where we're all equal. We have the equal amount of time but the outcome of our life is different. It's controlled by how you use that time. And that's what Jesus is saying. I chose to use my time. I could have passed this man 
I could have ignored this, even if I know this is why I came into the world. I could have been afraid of the Jewish people. I could have been disrupted because it's a Sabbath day. Mara, it's day. It's opportunity. I've got to use this time for what it's meant for. Because if I don't do it, night will come. Night will come. Then we're going to cut Jesus is saying that I need to be intentional with what I do with my time because watch this you can manage your time you can use it wisely you can invest your time you can convert your time you can use your time to create, develop, build and add value to people's life why? because time is a commodity that can be spent. Time is like currency. It's an important currency. That's why we use the expression, I'm spending time. It's a currency. When you take a currency, you use a currency to exchange. In the same way you use the currency of your time to exchange. So time is a currency. And every human is given the same amount of this currency. And because you've been given currency, you've got to spend it. You've got to use time to buy life. Use time to buy the abundant life. Why? Because you become whatever you spend your time buying. Every day when you live your life, every day when you take actions, every day when you make decisions, every day when you wake up, you are deciding that day, what I'm going to use this currency called time to buy today. Yeah, how to have first thing what's Uber. That's what you're investing in. Oh, yeah. When you wake up, first thing you do, go, oh, no. You're buying that. Mm-hmm. When you wake up, first thing you do is to pray. You're buying that. And the question is, what are you buying? With your currency. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm using this currency to do the will of God. I'm buying up. Doing God's will. I'm taking my life further. I'm moving further in my life. I'm using this currency called money. Jesus says, I must live in such a way that I spend my time in doing what God has purposed for my life. This means that the way of living your life, it means you have to be intentional. Instead of wasting time, you need to be wise. Tell somebody say, be wise. wise. Tell three people you need to be wise. Three people, tell them you need to be wise. Yeah. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And he tells us, redeeming the time. Why, Paul? Because the days are evil. We are living in times where we are pressured to get into things that don't add value to our life. Some of you young people, you are experiencing peer pressure. Yes. 
You are being forced to drink, smoke, even when you're older. Live a life of immorality, cheat, lie, connect with the wrong crowd. We're living in evil days. We're living in days where it looks like when you're doing right, you stand up like a sore thumb. When you're doing what's right, you become the awkward one. Oh yeah. But if I may tell you, it doesn't start today. Way back when I was at school, way back, 1979, Mandur. Many years ago. We used to be laughed at and scoffed at for being Christian. Even though today there's more acceptance of Ramzalan. Those days, never King. What is what? Ramzalan. And then when we became pastors, they didn't know the word pastor. They said, pasture. You're a pasture. I said, no, I'm not a pasture. I'm a pastor. They didn't know that. Yeah. So we were made fun of. Many of us who came into Christ, we were all young, many of us. They can tell you, many of the leaders here. We were young, we became Christian. Bishop Fred, you became Christian at the age of what age were you? 17. My bishop became a, 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 at the age of, she was 16, I think. Bishop Matala, how old were you? Two years old? <laughs> 16 years old. <laughs> bishop Malenzis, how, uh, Apostle Malenzis, how old were you? 15. So young people, we were teenagers. I was 17. And you see, please, don't look at us like we, we, we didn't, don't have the feelings you have. Hey. As a 17-year-old, everything was kicking. <laughs> everything. Hey, hey, don't add to what I said. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. So it's 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 so we had to say no to things. Yeah. 17 years old when I got born again. 18 years old when I got called to the ministry. 19 years old when I went to Bible school. Do you know the pressure I faced? Do you know my So you're not the only one. No only one. You're not the only one. We live in evil days where people would rather you do what they do because they're glad for you to waste your time. Yeah. Yeah. They will not encourage you to go to church. They will not encourage you to pray. They will not encourage you to come to an explosion. They will not encourage you to read the Bible, hang around. They will not. You, they make you feel guilty because you didn't go to a party. You didn't go and drink with them. You didn't hang out with them. They make you feel bad. It's not new. It happened to us too. It happened to us too. But we decided we're going to spend our time in something, and here we are. Kim Oruduzika fella, by the grace of God, here we are. Yeah. And we don't have foreign territories. No. Nangu Chesso, we are clean. Our itinerary, Amen, Ugulayon Dios, Yashumayala, much. Hallelujah. There you are, you can see God has kept us. We're still strong. We still look good. I know handsome is gone, but at least we are still not, at least. At least God has kept that. I said, God will keep you in the name of Jesus. He'll keep you. Oh, yeah. The New Living Translation says, So be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. 
but like those who are wise. In other words, a fool is somebody who doesn't know how to spend this currency called time. And isn't it funny, but why is it clever? The very ones why is it clever? It's the very ones who use their currency of time in all the wrong things. So clever came on. So after 10 years, I'm going to go So be careful how you live. Don't live like full speed, but like those who are wise. Watch verse 16. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Make the most of every opportunity in this evil day. Yeah, opportune. Mirror every. Basalan, we are here at Word Explosion. It's an opportunity for God to take you to another level in the things of God. Come on now, somebody shout to the Lord. This is a, we have this word explosion so that God's word will explode in your heart. Can I hear a good amen? The message Bible says, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. The Amplified Bible says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Look at the number say purposefully, worthily and accurately. Not what it says. Don't live as the unwise and witless but be as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Look at it, never says, I'm wise, I'm sensible, and I'm intelligent. Yeah, tell them, tell them, tell them you are privileged to be sitting next to me because I am wise, sensible, and intelligent. Yeah, I'm spending my currency of money in the right things. This verse says then, we can redeem the time. Let me close. How then can we live in a way that we redeem the time? You can, you can live in a way where you waste the time or you redeem the time. Paul says no. Redeem the time. There's a way of living that when you live that way, you're redeeming the time. You are buying and investing in the right places. And what you are doing at that time will benefit you in time to come. The word redeem is an interesting word. The word deem, D-double-E-M, it means to own. To own. And the word re means again. Or like you say in West Africa, again. Again. So to redeem, it means to re-own. This verse is telling us, you may have lived in such a way that you used your time in a wrong way. It was yours, but you used it in the wrong way and something else was owning your time. And this verse says, get back to owning your time. Redeem your time. That word redeem means to recontrol. Live in a way that your time is in your control. 
It means to repossess. Your time was taken, but take it back. It means to reclaim. Reclaim your time. It means to buy back. The good thing with God is that God has a way. If we will get in the sweet spot of his will, if we will listen to his word, he will lift up our life to a point where we can buy back time that has lost. Now, you can't change what happened yesterday. You can't create more time. You can't whatever. Mara, you can buy back what has been lost. Now, you won't be younger than what you are now. Mara, Mudimu can reset things. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow in the leadership session. God can reset things for you. Such that he gives you another opportunity. God knows how to do it. God knows how to do it. God knows how to do it. Think about the man on the cross. The thief that was hung side by side with Jesus. One of the thieves at least. At the end of his life, on the eve of his passing, he has an encounter with Christ. And he uses his time in a different way to his fellow Siboshua. Both of them are in the same space. Both of them are faced with the same opportunity. Both of them have the same amount of time. Mara, both of them don't make the same decision. And he makes a different decision that I want to challenge you to make tonight. He decides to talk to Christ. He decides to ask for forgiveness. He decides, now that Jesus is here, I'm going to take this opportunity. I want to be with you in paradise. Please, Lord, be with me in paradise. I don't know Jesus is right here. I'm not going to be quiet and, and be, I'm going to ask him. And all the years of the wrongdoing and the wrong direction like that. God buys them back. Oh, come on, give the Lord a big hand. Listen, he, he, he was not taken off the cross. Mara, his eternal destiny was changed by that one moment. I see your destiny being changed by just one moment. One moment. One decision that you make in your life. So how do we redeem the time? Seven things as I close. Number one, put God first. There's nothing that will buy you back more time than putting God first. Put God first. What do I mean? Live for God. Live by his word. Put prayer first. Read the Bible first. Put God first. In everything you do, put God first. Your first question should be, what does God say about this? Is God in this? Anything that has to do with God, run to it. Whatever has to do with God, make it number one. Yeah, yeah. See, I see some people here who have traveled from a long way to be here. They are buying up. You know, when the, when the, when the writer of Proverbs writes about the word of God and he calls it wisdom, he says it's more precious than gold. He says search for it. Look for it. 
Spend yourself looking for it. Because how it talks. I will always remember Barcelona when Pastor Ray was preaching, you know. I will never forget. When I was a young minister, we would drive to Rema, go to Rema. The conferences were in Rema. In the suburb. Those years when we didn't have taxis that went there. You remember? It was only buses or trains. We used to, we used to go there and conferences started then. It wasn't as early as ours is going to dismiss. No. They would call up this main speaker. It was even more challenging if it is Benny Hinn because he's not going to start preaching. The first thing he's going to say, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sing it again. Hallelujah. <laughs> we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just a whisper. <laughs> I mean, it was. And who does it transport. You're going to hike. Yeah. In the 80s, at the we stood out among white people. Remember those days, eh? We're the only black faces. Yeah. Some of you don't know. Then when the churches were white, 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 all these charismatic churches, they were white. Everywhere it was white. You stood out as a black guy. You sit in there at the back, and these white people, some of them, their salvation is not very sure. <laughs> They're sitting next to you, Marawabana, they don't like you. Those of you who get offended easy, you would have left. But if you, are, if you know how to buy opportunity, you don't let offense. Uh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. We sat right there. And I remember sitting there listening to the preaching. And you hear them talking about, you know, somebody so and so gave me a barking watch. Rolex. Rolex. Somebody, Rolex. And this guy's talking about the Rolex and now I can actually that takes. I mean, you know, no, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. In fact, some of the speakers would give one another a Rolex. Oh Lord, please let somebody here give me no. Okay, but uh, when you're preaching that come give him a Rolex, and I'm sitting there thinking, but find a Rolex. Now I can actually that takes. Yeah. And I tell you what, you can be so offended sitting at the back. Because here I am, I'm in my world, I'm poor. I don't have transport, I don't have money, and I'm sitting next to these white people who don't like me. And the preacher is talking about the Rolex. But you know what's going on? Sitting there, the back. I'm preaching to you at the back there. Uh, you missed a chance to say amen, you people at the back. Because see, the word of God has no distance. The word of God moved from the pulpit all the way to the back into my heart. There's something about the word of God. Once it gets into your heart, you are never the same person again. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a shot. You're never the same person again. This same white guy, black guy from Soweto, as I said there, the word of God took the Holy Spirit, took the, the, the word of God was 
coming came through and the holy spirit took the word of god like a canvas and started to paint the picture of destiny on my heart bit by bit picture by picture one line at a time more and more the more i went the more the picture became real the more i went the more the picture grew bigger the more i went the more the picture became firmer and soon i began to see something different i began to see that i can do all things through christ who strengthens me i began to see that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world i began to see that god is greater than my problems it doesn't matter what my background is i may not get there today but one day is one day i'm gonna get Get there. Oh yeah. And that time that was spent the currency of time that was spent was an investment that changes destiny. Because we had decided wherever God is that's where I'm going. And it was a time of high political activity. Give me a battle, believe about it. We were called, I was called an Uncle Tom. I was told like the guy here, can I want a leader in? Operation what? Selatupa. Like the guy with Operation Selatupa was saying, you are following a white God. That's what they told us. Yeah. We were accused at the time. They're following the white man's religion. They don't know anything. Christianity is not a white man's religion. But as we sat at the back, with all the things they were saying, we were investing something different. Come on now, Bazalana. Come on now, Bazalana. Bazalana, do you realize that what you are seeing here tonight and what you are seeing in our church and in other churches is as a result of the things that happened. One decision. I can't imagine what God's going to do through your life when you spend up. Oh. Do you know what your investment in coming to this conference means? Do you understand what you're buying with your time when you sit here and you listen to the word? Do you understand how far it can go? Do you understand how multi-generational it is? Do you understand how it's going to turn your life around? If you understand that, give the Lord a shout because God's going to God's going to change your life. Put God first. Unashamedly. They used to mock us when we carried the Bible publicly. I'm telling you, you guys are having it easy. They used to mock us. And I decided, okay, can you go check us? I'm carrying my Bible. I would carry my Bible and put it here. Then they would mock me and scoff me. But I didn't even have a call. But their mockery became a prophecy. <laughs> oh, I see their mockery becoming a prophecy for you. Yeah, they mocked me. They said, Muruti, 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 Muruti. You know when you're on that, Haki Muruti. Then I finally said, Prophet Angluna. Oh, somebody say, Prophet Angluna. Oh, yeah. Put God first. Unashamedly. You put God first. He'll put you first. He says, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. Matthew 6.33. He says, and all these things 
shall be added. Why are the added? Because when you seek him, he gives you the peace that passes all understanding. He changes your life. He makes you to be born again. He, he gives you stability in your mind. He says, on top of that, I will add all these other things more. Put God first. Tell your neighbor, put God first. Number two, be quick to repent and obey God. Hebrews 4, 7. When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. When a sermon is challenging you. Sit there, listen to it, repent, and obey God. The word is meant for us. There's times more ceremony just take God's word repent move on be quick be quick to repent and do right number three make the right decisions in your life Deuteronomy 13 19 before behold I said before you life and death blessing and cursing says choose life make the right choices in your life make the right choices make the right decisions it's much more harder, Bazalana, to make right decisions than to do wrong ones. It's much more harder not to drink than to drink. It's harder not to smoke. It's harder not to womanize than to not womanize. It's much harder not to womanize. It's much harder not to steal than to steal. It's easier to steal. It's easier to drink. It's easier to womanize. It's easier to lie. It's, easier to... So it's a hard decision. Jesus said it's a narrow road. He says, enter by the narrow road. He says, it's a narrow road. He says, says, there are few who find it. I tell you, there are few people who go in the right direction. You may may be here in your family. You may be the only one who's here tonight. Bishop. Abba Prophet. I said, Abba Prophet. Yeah. I'm surprised by many people who backslid during COVID. Like Benavach, where was this God? People who backslid during COVID because somebody passed in their family, money wasn't there. And they were quick to be talked out of following God. But if Mudimoal did not let them, why? And then they changed and went to other things. Chineke. Hmm? Make the right decision. Stick to the decisions of God. Number five. Number four. Deal with today's problems today. Matthew 6.34. In other words, don't postpone. Deal with today. What must be dealt with today? Deal with it today. If God says repent today, repent today. And whatever problems are there, learn. Number five. Learn to say no. Don't try to please everyone. I'll go back to us being 17 years old, Bazalana. I, I was telling them, in fact, I, I forgot to tell them when I was at the conference that was there at UNISA, you know. And we were, we were sharing with the ladies there the problems that we men have. And, and I know, ladies, I know, you know. I, I think we haven't told our story as men. But one of the things we must start telling the ladies when you see these young people misbehaving, and I'm not blaming the ladies for it, but is that sometimes... 
some of the older women try to entice you as a young guy. I'm talking. You don't want to hear these things. It shocked me that several of the people who were there on the speaking panel, how in their very young days, older women are the ones who led them into sexual activity. Yes, yes. You know, we men don't talk about it. And of course, because of the men, you know, you think you, you, know, you are something. But that leads a guy to a life of promiscuity. As a, as a, as a teenager who was going to school, I had lots of older women trying, coming after me, going for me, tempting me. Yeah. Yeah. Little Tiano. Because you ladies, you don't want us to talk about your sins. You like to talk about our sins. And I found out one powerful anointed word is no. No. I'm not. I'm not. I, I remember the one day, I, even to date, I, will, I still, I've, I think I've talked about this in the past. I'll talk about it again. If, if I, as, as I, was, I think I was in, in grade 12, King Standard, what? Standard 10, grade 12. I was going to school. I'm walking. How old was I? I was 18 years old at the time. I'm walking to school, and I'm passing by this yard. And there was this elderly lady sitting there. And she, she greeted me and started saying some stuff and exposing herself in very inappropriate ways. She left nothing to reason. There was no question what she was saying. It was clear. I just, I just walked on. But funny enough, oh yeah, some of you don't believe me because you know how you are. You know when I own my or some of us run my in case you don't believe me. Because you see, this is the problem today. Some of you, you think everybody's like you. You've accepted that everybody has no self control. There are people who have self control. Yeah, there are people who have self control. Yeah. yeah. You see, you have to get rid of this mentality that everybody, you know, and that's the problem today. We live in a world that will not believe that there are people who are doing what's right. Because we it's about when. Yeah. And God must help us with that kind of thinking because if you think everybody's doing it, you've been sold a lie. You've been sold a lie. If you think everybody's drinking, everybody's womanizing, everybody's cheating, there are people who are not doing it. And the sooner you get out of it, is the more you can buy something better with your time. Yeah. Yeah. There are people who've gotten married. I know even as recently, even in the broader family, some people who've gotten married, it was their first time to sleep with someone in marriage. Yeah. Because you see, we, and that's the problem. With the spirit of the world, Wants you to say everybody's doing it. Read the Bible, you'll find in the Bible, even in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord's children were virgins. It says that Sodom and Gomorrah, the worst in Sodom and Gomorrah, corner street, Sodom and Gomorrah, corner. So and I think that verse is in the Bible for a reason to show you. You don't have to go with the spirit of the world. 
Don't let people tell you everybody's doing drugs. Every fundisi is a crooked fundisi. Every fundisi is looking for your money. Every fundisi wants to have a love affair with you. But you see, we have to talk to that space. Because there are young people who come under peer pressure. They make fun of you. Because you are doing things in a certain way. They say, ah, oh, I'm for it. Sure good. And this woman came. You know the, the sad thing, Bazan? It was such a demonic thing that happened that I remember days thereafter, I could hear her voice. And it was like a, an unseen force was getting hold of me and making me to be lustful. I had to fast and pray for two months to fight that thing off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bazalana. Mamela, Bazalana. Don't play with these things. They have a demonic element to it. There are people who are just possessed by demonic powers. That's why they do what they're doing. That's why they can't stop. You've said you won't do it, but you still do it. You've promised yourself a million times, Mara, you're still doing it. And you don't understand. Why it's gone that way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's why we come to God and we ask God to help us because without his help. So learn to say no. Let me close quickly. Number six, have a vision for your life. When you have a vision, you'll buy back lost time. And finally, make decisions based on that vision or based on your destiny. Make decisions based on your vision or based on your destiny. If you do that, Bazalad, you'll be like Jesus when he came to the end of his life. John 17. Father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Paul says, I have run the race. I have finished my course. The finishing of your course is not dependent on your age. Jesus, at 33 and a half years, he had finished. 33 and a half years finished. Which means living longer is no guarantee that you'll finish what you're called to do. But it is living with wisdom. It is working the works whilst it is still day. And therefore in the sight of God, the quality of life is not determined by the length of days you live. But by the quality decisions you made. Because God's given you currency called time. And tonight I want to call on you. What are those areas, as I've been speaking, that the Holy Spirit is red flagging? The Holy Spirit is saying, you go on this way, you're timing out. Your expiry date is around the corner. Some of you are here, you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord. You've been postponing, postponing, postponing. Today, God's not giving you any way out. 
No break today. God's talking to you right where you are. God is asking you. Are you going to make the decision today? Or will you postpone like you have in the past? Some of you, there's areas in your life that haven't come under the lordship of Christ as yet. You are still pursuing your own way. Going in your own direction. And God says to you, will you redeem the time? Will you live in a way that will bring honor and glory to my name? The decision is yours. Bow your heads with me, please. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Father, help us. All of us, we don't know how much more time we have on this earth. We don't know how many more days we have. Can we, when we meet you, say we've done all? We've fulfilled all? Or will we hang our heads in shame? As you scroll back where we used our time and we spent our time out of your will, help us tonight. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. Nobody moving, nobody leaving as we close right now. You're here, you've been invited, you've come on your own. Some of you are watching by way of live streaming where you are. And if you had to tell the truth, your life is not yielded to God. You're not born again. You're not a child of God. You're not saved. You're not changed. But tonight, you want to give your life to Christ. You want to say, Jesus, here's my life. It starts by giving your life to Christ. And God will give you a new quality of life. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you know you've not been living in obedience to God, you're not born again, you're not a child of God, you're not yielded to Christ. But tonight, we want to do it for real. We want to bring your life to Christ. And you need prayer tonight. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Raise it high. Let me see it. Raise, raise it where I. Let me see it. I want to pray for you. Just raise it where you stand. Thank you for those hands. Raise them all over the place. Raise them. Thank you, Jesus. This is your night. Don't postpone. Don't postpone. It's daytime. It's daytime. Opportunity is here. God gives you this, the chance to do something with your life. Raise that hand without shame. Thank you for those hands. May I ask all those who raise their hands, would you please kindly stand on your feet right where you are, please. Just go ahead and stand on your feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. All over, stand on your feet, all over, all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, I know that there are some people who might still be seated. Maybe you've brought somebody with you, a neighbor, a friend, a colleague. Could be your mom, your dad, your child, your uncle. They're sitting next to you. You know they want to make the decision. But maybe they are afraid to stand on their own. But if you were to stand with them and encourage them, 
they would stand with you. Why don't you do that right now? Look at your neighbor. Just ask them, listen, neighbor, if you want to stand, I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. Encourage them. This is what this place is about. Stand with them. Stand with them. Stand with them. That's right. Don't let them stand by themselves. Stand with them. We know that you are safe. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes, opportunity. It's daytime for you. It's daytime for you. Just stand right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to have more and more people, more and more, much more than this. People receiving Christ. So use this time and this conference as an opportunity for that. I, I thank you all who are standing. I want to ask you, I want to pray for you. This is so important. This is such a life-changing decision. I want to pray for you. Can you come from where you are standing? Take all your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind, all right? Your Bible, your bag, your pastor, take it in your hands and just walk to the front. Come, let's pray with you.